Hello, the internet, and welcome to the Screen and Needle podcast, where my compadres and I get to select one film, one album, and a top five list each week to be reviewed and discussed over a pint or two. I hope you'll join us for a drink and some daft chat about pop culture. My name is Will Holden, and today I am joined by Mark Wall. How are you doing, buddy? Good, mate. Thank you. Excellent. I'm also joined, as always, by Andy Malbin. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. I was just distracted sending you a, uh, a picture of my setup. Your, your, uh, your makeshift, fettled setup. Mm, I taped on microphone. It's good. This is all going to stay in. Let's just all collectively look at this picture. And Oh, yeah. That looks like a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a lovely little lamp, though. Cheers, man. Uh, well, we're here, as per usual, to talk about mic stands. No, uh, films, an album, and uh, this week I've set you another quiz. These are my choices this time round, and less of a choice and more of just a uh, fortuitous coincidence. No Time to Die came out at just the right time. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. So that is my film uh, of 2021, directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, starring Daniel Craig, Rami Malek, Anna Diarmas, Leah Sado, Lashana Lynch, Ralph Fiennes, Ben Whishaw, Naomi Harris, Rory Kinnear, Jeffrey Wright. There's a lot of good people in this. Uh, and the IMDb pitch goes, James Bond has left active service. His peace is short-lived when Felix Leiter, an old friend from the CIA, turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. It feels weird doing all the intro and then launching into my thoughts, I guess. Oh, Will, uh, why did you pick this? Because it was on. Yeah, it came out. It's Bond. It was going to get watched. Uh, so yeah just a very fortuitous timing I'll extend my thanks to Mark it was your suggestion and uh, pointed out that the the two dates coincided quite nicely and uh, yeah really saved me having to make a decision so I'm into it does anyone have any strong positions to start with well I think we should just say um, you know we're we're not going to dance around spoilers oh that is a good point so, yeah uh despite the fact that we spoil almost every film we talk about it is fair to say this is brand new and if anybody is out there listening 
we're going to spoil the shit out of this. So yeah, um, yeah, don't don't listen to it if you haven't seen it, or do if you don't care. But yes, good point, Mark. Thank you. Go on, Mark. Get your uh, get your thoughts out of the way. I know you. Know you're dying to delve into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's really difficult. Really difficult. I think it's somewhat of a hindrance being a, a Bond fanatic in this case, which I am. For those who don't know. It's my thing, my one thing. Um, watched all the movies multiple times. This one I've seen twice already. Could have seen it a third time with you boys. I think it's something that I chose not to. Um, because I have to say the second watch probably went slightly down off the first. But it's so... The Daniel Craig tenure is so different overall to kind of what I want from... James Bond and so you just have to reconcile yourself with the fact that right separate what in my ideal world I want which is basically more Sean Connery it's it's not going to happen anymore it's done you know it's past same with Dalton even Brosnan they've all gone you know those films have already been made and in a way what is the point in just doing the same thing over and over again having said that I'm not sure I like the kind of changes to the character and where he ends up in this particular movie, which is dead. They killed a character of 60 cinematic years and many books beforehand. And I thought it was effective. I thought the film was very kind of entertaining for the most part, particularly the first hour I thought was great. I've got a load of problems with it overall. And I think it kind of, it almost feels like just shock tactics. I think they've wrote, written themselves into a corner with the previous movie, which they were desperately trying to get out of. That's not a fault of this film, that's a fault of the previous one. But it does cause a lot of problems. And yeah, I'm still not entirely sure where I stand on it, but I, I have multiple criticisms, and yet I still think if you can just take it off its own accord, it's a pretty good cinema movie, frankly. I think that's a pretty solid assessment. Um, I think while there are quite a lot of flaws, where I slightly disagree with you, I think, uh, is that I think that Bond's death, might as well jump straight in (laughs) at the deep end, um, gives a sort of full stop to the Craig era. And for me, at least, it kind of sold me the emotional gut punch. I think despite the fact that as you say, I'm not sure the whole tenure of Craig and the films, the way they tie together doesn't totally work. And the emotion that's kind of created in this film, I feel is created just in this film. Like it doesn't feel like it's built up through the franchise, but it's the bit that stayed with me. And it's the bit that has kind of hooked me into the, the film, uh, particularly him getting infected against against Madeline and uh, Matilde, I think was quite, an, uh, it just, it felt like a sort of no win situation. Um, it's hard to say I liked it. Like, I like you say, I'm a big fan of Bond and, and to have a film that ends in his demise is is a little bit of a downer, but I, I it works for me uh, in that level. Andy, what are your main thoughts? Yeah, an awful lot to pick up on from all of that lot. Um, I really enjoyed it just as a 
like cinema experience. Um, I still have some faults with it, even from that point of view. But yeah, as a standalone, me and Matt roughly talked about this in the pub without really talking about the film the other day. And it is impossible to just uh, look at it like out of context because it's a Bond film. So of course you look at it like within the world of Bond. Um, but yeah, first and foremost, just as a just as a film and how much I enjoyed it. Like it's two over two and a half hours long as well. Never really dragged for me. Um, Agree with that. I think there's lots of like individually good scenes in it as well. I think you're right, Mark, in that I think even compared to the other Craigs, I think it's the one that is the most departed from the sort of origins of Bond, um, even against the other, the other Craigs. Um, I don't necessarily agree that I would want to just watch another Sean Connery Bond, though, if I'm honest. I enjoy the Sean Connery Bonds. I'm not as fanatical about Bond as you are, Mark, but I don't know. That that character just seems like very out of place in a modern world. I, don't, I just don't think you can do that. I don't, I don't really have a lot of interest in watching that anymore. I think this film has a funny mix of that. Uh, I don't know if you agree, but I think that like where Bond is probably at his most sort of human or his most kind of emotionally complex uh, the villain, uh, Rami Malek as Safin, is probably like a bit of a old school throwback of kind of villain with super weapon and, you know, sort of plan to use it. I've heard a bit of criticism about that, about the plot being a bit of a throwback and maybe a bit simplistic and Safin not having really much depth beyond a bit of a backstory. I think in this case, I was fine with that. I sort of, I was happy enough that it was just a basic kind of bad guy story and it was more a vehicle for Bond in, in, that, in that way. Um, like I sometimes think about Quantum of Solace, which feels like a bit more of an original uh, and perhaps realistic kind of threat and yet is uh, it's just more boring. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as, as enjoyable a thing to like steal water. Uh, so I don't mind that there's kind of a MacGuffin that's just going to potentially destroy the world. Um, I think it kind of led to a good enough background to set the action and the other emotional beats off. I think part of the problem is is what Mark referenced earlier, is that you've kind of set a load of things up with Spectre that you then have to try and tie off. And they cut the rundown time to two hours and 40 minutes and obviously had to tie up all of those those ends and they do it pretty quickly and pretty like brutally just by killing off every member of Spectre. But almost funny with the swiftness that they like dispatch that storyline. Yeah, but it just means that Safin only comes in halfway through. Like I I, I like uh Remy Malik. Like I was kind of looking forward to seeing him in the same way that I was looking forward to see Christoph Foltz as Blofeld um in Spectre. And neither of them had almost anything to do in either film. Christoph Waltz's brief, brief appearance in this was better than his entire screen time, Inspector. I really like that scene. Like the 
kind of not necessarily the dialogue bit actually kind of has nothing to do with Christoph Falls, but I really like the uh, like Silence of the Lambs style interview being brought out like through a tiny corridor in this like glass cage and I thought that was quite cool. It's interesting that that scene ends with him obviously strangling him and saying die Blofeld die now that is taken straight from the novel of You Only Live Twice but the context is utterly different and you know there's a couple of things like that in this movie which kind of just feel thrown in to like appease like old fans basically and I get a kick out of it like of course I get a kick out of the fact they play um <clears throat> you know an instrumental version of We Have All The Time In The World in in the opening scene you know I basically had goosebumps I was like oh this is amazing but the more I thought on it that kind of thing and these kind of slightly misplaced book references they just kind of feel inserted just for the sake of it really just it's nostalgia based on something it isn't you know it's referencing stuff that it has no real similarities to whatsoever and it's it's just a, it's just odd I, I don't know what to make of it but anyway I, I won't get too bogged down in you know how it is as a Bond film within the whole franchise because the Bond franchise goes all over the place anyway and I don't just want Sean Connery obviously I'm a fan of the entire thing I even even Brosnan's grown on me recently um what I will say is I do think they did the uh, Madeline really well. I thought that actress was terrific. She wasn't given that much inspector. I think they really kind of retrieved that character as an interesting one, and she was really good. I think Anna de Armas in her scene is is brilliant with him. That scene's super fun. To be honest, as I said, the whole first hour up until the death of Felix, which, what a man, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, I was absolutely loving it. I was like, this is fantastic. And then it, it does, you know, I, I disagree slightly. I mean, I Walt's scene was okay, but that whole London stuff didn't do too much for me. I found it a little bit dull. And yeah, the ending I'm just in two minds about. It is emotionally effective, but I would argue killing a main character in anything is going to be emotionally effective unless you do it horrendously. You know, like... I think of Star Trek 2009, where uh, Chris Hemsworth character, uh, Jim Kirk's dad, obviously dies sacrificing himself for his like unborn child and all this. Did it in five minutes and was just as emotionally effective as a whole five film arc for me. So, you know, yes, it it worked. I was I was the same as you, Will. I was like into it and completely caught up in it. But it's of course of course you're gonna be if you kill off a major character in any film like you know that's gonna have an impact i think i think as well like it seems like a really brave choice and but it's not when you know it's the end of a, of course like a it's mini, not. mini franchise yeah it's, you know he's not coming back so. you know well yeah craig's not coming back you know bond is coming back yeah, kind of yeah. his death is irrelevant. Or also, yeah. it's a bit of a shame with the Felix scene that they like they'd set up the perfect person because I agree. Like um, Anna D. Amos was really good, and yeah, arguably that was my favorite favorite scene or yeah. scenes uh, mm-hmm. with her in it. They they set up the perfect like in world replacement, and then it's like, come on, end of series. <laughs> not not happening. 
every time every time Bond needed a CIA contact like going forward, perfect setup there. Never mind. Yeah. But yeah, I too like uh, liked Anna Diarmas as Paloma. I don't think she quite got enough. I think she could have been in it a little bit more, but her scenes yeah. were her were really fun. Um oh yeah, was well, good. What you mentioned, Mark, about the a lot of the old film references, I think sometimes felt quite uh quite opposed to the the rest of the tone of the film. I mean, it was at times quite a sort of downbeat uh, and you know, somewhat kind of depressing place that Bond is in. Mm-hmm. And uh, set that against like little clips of you have all the time in the world and like him saying it and pulling out the Aston Martin Vantage from the film. And it just sometimes felt a little bit cheesy. You know, they just felt like you said, I think a bit, a tiny bit forced maybe, but it's hard to say because I would, I think it's franchise based, isn't it? Like I would get those kind of Easter egg kicks out of some of the Marvel stuff. That well, that, that's it, yeah. That's, would that's mean less to true. others. So it's not a not a huge criticism, but they didn't quite work for me. Some of them did. Some of them, like I thought, were quite cool little nods, and others just felt a little bit on the nose, I guess. I can't help feeling that because it's a film that is so. Um, I mean the the. Craig generally, I guess, but um, like such a sort of departure, I guess, for the character and things like that and the tone of the film that I, I don't really mind the fan service. Like it's, it balances it out, doesn't it? It pays a lot of fan service with a lot of references and just classic Bond tropes that it kind of throws in every so often. There's it, a balancing act, isn't it? Like those are the things that, I guess in a way remind you that you're still in the Bond world. Like without him, it, it, I almost feel like it wouldn't feel like a Bond film. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. That, 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 that's it, they, though. I think they could have been done more subtly, I guess. Yeah, and it's just the fact that those things are required because the character feels that different, and his portrayal of the character feels that different. So I, I think Craig is good in this film. I didn't think he was great in either Spectre or Skyfall. Um, and some of his line delivery in the new one, I still don't like, to be honest. I, you know, he's just, I don't know. I just don't think he's a naturally charismatic man. Um, he's, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he seems like well sound. I've seen interviews with him and he seems like a, a great guy and massively invested and like obviously has a load to do with the, the films. And, you know, he seems, seems like a, a proper cool guy, but you know i'm just basing it on what i'm seeing on the screen and some of it is is quite good he's good at any of the emotional stuff absolutely um and why not play the character completely differently as i as i say in a way fair play you know what what is the point in doing the same thing but it could just be anyone you know he's just an action i mean he doesn't feel like a spy anymore he doesn't feel like you know a kind of playboy gentleman like all of all of the stuff that kind of made the character just doesn't feel like it's there. I mean, he's, you know, just like supping at a Heineken in a nightclub. Like that doesn't feel like James Bond to me. I'd argue that he never felt like a spy, but the rest of it I can get on board with. Well, yeah, <laughs> there was like, you know, mild espionage and stuff. I mean, as soon as it goes into the modern world with like, you know, the internet and phones and stuff, it's slightly hamstrung, but... 
and I'm aware I'm jumping all over the place here, but yeah, there's just there's just so many things I would have liked to have been done differently. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like it, the franchise is losing me as a fan overall, because you said it yourself, Andy. Like you know, it can't go back to what it was in the modern world, and I understand that to a degree. I I don't really think any of those early films were doing anyone any harm. You know, they are what they are. It's not. They're not. Um, I don't have a problem with them. Like they're a film of their time. Like I just think that they feel it just feels outdated. Like I don't think the way that Bond interacts with women feels like you could really make a film. I don't know. Like if it was if it was Craig in a modern setting acting the same way that Connery does, like especially towards women, I think I don't know. I think I'd feel a bit uncomfortable with it. I don't feel uncomfortable watching Connery do it because that's just a it's just the time period. Like, Part and parcel. Yeah. yeah, like that that's fine. If if you accept that premise and they're not going to make another film similar to the Connery character because you kind of can't anymore, they were either kill off the franchise or you change it. You know, I I said the Connery thing and and as I say, it's it's not really just Connery, it's it's Fleming, like more importantly. Yeah. And Connery's not even really closest to the Fleming character. You know, I don't think any of the actors have really been that similar to the written character, to be honest. But I'm not quite as tied to kind of the idea of what Bond sort of should be or, or could be, and I'm prepared for it to change. I would like the next set to be different again. Like I don't I don't want to see an, another Craig alike now. You know, what I wouldn't mind another kind of break like we did, you know, from like up to Brosnan like 10 years would be fine and then start afresh well, they've just had two pretty long breaks so that's the thing i was just going to say that like that i thought that and I, I might have said it before but they've actually had a they had a longer break between like the last two films as they did like leading into the into goldeneye i guess i'm fine with that I, I, from seeing it from again a, a like a marvel cinematic universe fan there's a real chance of like oversaturation and just doing too much too soon. A Bond doesn't make multiple films a year. You know, they don't have like a money penny spin-off and a, I know they're not making them quite as big, but I think, I think it can afford time. I, I just want to pick up on that because that's the second time you've referenced Marvel. I think it's a pretty good comparison and that's the thing that yeah. I would like them to move away from. Like, I don't think, I think a huge amount of the problems over the five films. And I, I will bring it back to this film because that's what we're reviewing. But I think the problems are caused from trying to like create this Marvel style world and have this after the fact. 100%, 100%. Yeah, they, they, that's it. They did it really badly. Like I don't think they had an overarching plot. And I think by the time they got to Spectre, they really tried to tie it all together. And it was very badly received as it should have been because it was a pretty poor film and then they mm -hmm. sort of had to struggle to overcome that to bring in another storyline here because they didn't want to carry on any of those threads I, I just don't see the problem with them just doing standalone films like you can no. set, you can set one after the other kind of co-currently if you want you can have characters running throughout it like Bond has always done that um, you know there is always an M there's always Q money penny so on but you don't have to have storylines that cross over. Like they can still be independent things. And then you don't have the problems of going into a film, having to 
like just tear up what's been done before and try and you know fix issues and uh, i agree i agree it's not what i kind of want bond to be uh yeah i i agree as well i think having the little nods like it always did there was like crossover in the earlier films and from russia with love they literally say it will be an opportunity to get revenge for our operative dr no it was obviously in the previous movie but it's it's aside from that and there's a, a recurring character as well but it's very few and far between they're just like kind of nice little nods as opposed to like intrinsically linked by story to, sorry Go sorry on. i was going to say to try and sort of circle it background because i think we've all collectively uh, jumped down a rabbit hole there um one thing that i did find really good was kind of bonds surrounding cast uh, including Lashana Lynch as Nomi, we haven't really mentioned. Um, Q, uh, their kind of like mini relationship. I thought his rivalry with Nomi was often quite fun. I think sometimes their banter, as you say, some of the line delivery was a bit, a bit off. But also I thought some of it was pretty good and their kind of rivalry turned into grudging respect. It was a fun kind of arc to see. I didn't have a lot of investment in that story, if I'm honest. I like Q. I thought he uh, wishored as well at the end in selling the kind of emotion of it all. Um, yeah. Wasn't very impressed by M in this film at all. Ray finds, uh, you know, neither the performance nor what was written for him was of much note to me. I just, you know, I, just... I, I, I didn't think I'd miss Judy Dench, but I mean, she uh, she has been missed, to be honest. Um. I think the important bit was the given nothing to do. Like there was yeah. the the little subplot of it being sort of overarchingly his fault. But, yeah, with this, but they never they never really got into that. Like, I really like the cast is really good. Like I like almost everyone in it. He just didn't have much to do. Like, not really no, that I... as, as his fault, but. I would say the same for Nomi. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I quite liked her introduction actually, um, and I thought she should have been a lot more interesting than what she was. It's, it's no fault of hers. I thought she performed it absolutely fine. I don't know what else she could have done. I didn't think she was a particularly well-written character overall. What else? I, we're jumping around a lot. I know it's it's mainly my fault because I was never going to be able to review this coherently because <laughs> I'm just not coherent in my thoughts on that anyway. But I want to mention. Hans Zimmer, who notoriously I'm not a big fan of. Um, and I was terrified when he got given this film. I wish it still had been David Arnold, who did Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, which both have terrific scores. And I don't know why he's been frozen out. It's utterly ridiculous. But I was quite happy with Hans Zimmer's score, which I was very surprised by. I think towards the second half, it gets far more... General Zimmer, i.e., just that modern kind of atmospheric, industrial sounding, not a lot of melody. I mean, obviously, he uses John Barry a couple of times, which, you know, is it, it's easy money, isn't it? Instant win. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he, he does some fun action stuff in the first half as well. Um, so, yeah, I did, I'll give him credit. I was pleasantly surprised by what he came up with i don't think it's a, a classic score by any stretch of the imagination but i was it was better than i'd hoped for Still not like uh, the uh, like the theme though it's not great is it i, I not, thought it not does nothing on me. for me no no 
it is woven throughout the film as well. I don't know if anyone knows. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And you know, fair play, but it it does kind of just highlight the fact that there's there's not much of a melody there really. They just they just end up being identical themes really. There's nothing yeah, they, wrong with Billie Eilish's, but I was really hoping that it would have a bit of Billie Eilish about it, and it doesn't. It could just be anyone. Like, and also, yeah. I don't like I don't like the title. Just get that in there. Early yeah, on. agreed. No time to die. <laughs> Stupid title. Bad 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 name. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, <laughs> I did want to say as well just about like the sort of look and direction of the film and the the action scenes. It's covering a lot. I mean, it's it looks nice. I think it's well shot. Although I personally am sick to death of the look of the the last three films. Everything is so color graded and fake looking. You've got these amazing locations, and what the earlier films did was just film them for what they were you know it just looks real and if somewhere looks nice it looks nice on the film whereas this this time around it always just feels like like there's just instagram filters on everything to me like it it just never looks like a real place particularly and but it still was shot nicely enough and the action scenes I really quite enjoyed the first time around. The second time around, I have to say, I was like, well, what's happened to the standout Bond stunts? You know, like these things that are memorable, like 40 years later. Yeah, it's a very different style of action, isn't it, I guess? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't have strong opinions on it, to be honest. But I do think like things like the like climbing the tower scene at the end had a sort of... It's everything that the... That the like the Craig Bonds is going for, isn't it? Like it's sort of grittier and more realism than, yeah, that's it. Like dragging the bodies in front of him of his like previous kills to use as a shield. And I, yeah, that I, looks pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I quite like the action in it, but but I agree with you. There's nothing like standout about it. That's... Yeah, even Casino Royale has like the parkour stuff at the start, which on repeat viewings is still like pretty mind blowing, to be honest. Like the, the crane jump, and there's just various set pieces and stuff which are super impressive and memorable. And now it's just very like solid, like kind of visceral enough. But I don't know, there's nothing that I think is, there's nothing to compare to like, you know, him skiing off a cliff and the Union Jack opening up or anything like that. But it's it's a, it's a different world, isn't it? Like, it know, is. again, I, stuff like that just wouldn't fly in these movies. It would, no, it would feel really incongruous. There are some action set pieces that I think, like, tell you a bit about Bond, um, one of which, which is in most of the trailers. Um, but when he's, like, fighting the guys in the trucks in the misty forest and one truck drives at That's him. That's cool hits a branch and he just like nonchalantly just sort of shifts out the way and then just peppers it with bullets. Yeah, I love that. And there's a few moments where Craig is just being like nonchalantly cool as shit. And I like those bits. Like they're just Agreed. incredibly casually awesome. And then it's those moments that I think it captures a, a, an aspect of Bond that I enjoy. Yeah, it's the same in the car where he's um, like, they're just continually shooting at the bulletproof class and bonding yeah that's like a great scene cool as a cucumber <laughs> just waiting <laughs> and eventually it's like all right deals with it now i'll kill him i agree with that those scenes will are like the uh the, the closest to actually traditional bond just being in a, a hardcore assassin i guess 
yeah i'd like there, there are bits that stand out to me and i think like as we've said already the bits with paloma and the kind of whole fight scene that spins out of that super is, fun yeah it's a fun fight scene um the whole setup for that is fun as well like mm-hmm. there's about four four or five jokes in that setup like him getting getting changed like she starts undressing him and he makes a like classic bond remark and then like her saying she's done like three weeks training and just yeah. mashing the drink back at the bar. Like they're all good stuff. <laughs> and I enjoyed all of that set up. Set up to her, like obviously being absolutely badass and just, uh, just yeah, it tearing awesome. it up. I just think Sorry. there's enough of that stuff, basically. That and it's the same with the things that saying are like either like bad bond references or just like absolute bond tropes. You know, like he walks out of Em's office and throws the visitors pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, just skins it straight into the bin. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Stuff. And I, that's <laughs> the thing, isn't it? Like, there's nothing. It's what I mean about it just being an enjoyable film for me. Like, I just liked all mm-hmm. those stuff. The the fighting bits were good enough. The the emotional core at the end got me. Um, not enough that this is going to be a ten out of ten. And it it definitely does caveat it for me by the fact that you know that there's another different bond that'll be made in five years time but mm. but I, I don't know what more really it could have done it's hard Tricky to know when to, when to stop into it because we can keep going i feel i like could talk about it for day. hours and it, yeah it's just yeah it's i don't want to just nitpick everything you know i do think <laughs> fund, fundamentally i think there's some huge bloody flaws with this story and the writing but who cares? I mean, I'm sure you could say that about virtually any film if you looked into it enough. It's just whenever it happens with like a Bond film, I'm like, well, why am I even thinking about that? You know, I'm sure like something like You Only Live Twice is probably the dumbest film ever in terms of plot and story. But I'm not ripping it apart in my head when I'm watching it. You know, I'm just kind of enjoying it for what it is. And maybe in five years time, even this will be the same as that. You know the the stuff that doesn't work for me, I'll just forget about and just take it for what it is, and that's what I'd love to be able to do. But it's new; I can't do it at the moment. It's been six years waiting. You know, doesn't come so, with that undercurrent of childhood nostalgia to give me that little extra boost. Yeah, I think as well. Like the the uh, um, I, I'm the same as well. Like I don't mind the actually not being too much of a plot to it. It's just because I mean the main bit of the plot is bad guy on island go and take down bad guy before he destroys world pretty pretty standard bond stuff and a load of the early plot is because they're trying to wrap up Spectre and um, I think they do that well enough and uh, yeah you sort of have to just go with it as you do with any film really like you kind of just buy into the world you get told um I mean, you don't see much of like Bond and Madeline's like love story. You just kind of go with it. You you know it existed off screen, and and, and it was it was sort of well enough done that I did. So yeah, any criticisms that I have of the kind of the plot or the like screenplay of it, I I don't know. It's like I sort of justify them to myself. I think like you're pretty hamstrung from making a film immediately after Spectre. 
Yeah, no, it's a good point. And yeah, it's 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 well paced, I think. You know, it it really is. It it doesn't feel like it's length, you know, there's there's little bits and pieces I personally would have cut. I don't like the Russian scientist character, the kind of comedy bad guy. I thought that was terrible, frankly. I actually think the Malik stuff is pretty bad as well. The scene where which should be huge, where he sort of meets Malik for the first time over the desk and Safin's got his daughter Matilda or whatever and they sort of have a repartee between them and I just like both times I've watched it I've just sort of not even understood what they're even saying like it should be a huge like impactful scene and I just I don't know what the hell they're on about like his it's just weird like and you compare that to any classic sort of Bond meets the bad guy and that's some of the most classic dialogue of all time you know I mean, he's a, a laser going off his jaffers. <laughs> yeah, this this is it, and it's just it doesn't have that that tone anymore, and it tries in bits, and like that's uh, the the Cuba scene. We keep saying it is fun because it just feels fun, like it feels like the characters are having a good time, and you you haven't had a lot of that for Daniel Craig. He's had a pretty raw deal in terms of his character. I mean, straight away, first woman he falls in love with betrays him, dies. Uh, he seems to quit or get sacked about eight times during the five films. Um, lives on his own for five years. Finds out he's got a daughter and then immediately dies. Like it, it's just a depressing arc, you know. I don't. Just going back to dialogue. I don't have a big issue with the dialogue generally, but I do completely agree with your bad guys. Like, I, I think that's just been a misstep for the entire Bond. Uh, sorry, the entire Craig Bond era. Like, I just don't know what you're supposed to do when you give a, like a Bond villain so little screen time and so little mm. backstory. Like, this isn't a go at, like, Rami Malik or uh, Christoph Waltz. I just, it, yeah, they're just given no character on... I don't even think you need character. Like, you just need something. Like, there's no oh. nothing to them. They don't have enough screen time to build up anything. So it's just like, uh, it's very much generic bad guy, isn't it? It is, but they, you know, that that was the case in some of the older movies as well. I mean, Doctor No doesn't really appear until the final 15, 20 minutes of that movie. Um, and yet his one major scene is Dynamite. Like every line is, I guess. Is I think, awesome. I think in Doctor No, you've at least built him as a character, right? Like throughout the film, a bit. Right? Well, yeah, of course, but they they kind of try and do that in in these last two as well. I think they're going for a similar thing. We'll hold back this big character that's going to have this huge impact for the reveal. And then, yeah, yeah. They just don't nail the reveals. I mean, in, in retrospect, I didn't think he was amazing to start with, but. You know, Javier Bardem's looking greater by the day in comparison to, you know, the more recent ones. He does make an impact. Like, I think he is given slightly more to do, but he also just brings more to the part. You know, I, I think Waltz is actively poor, particularly Inspector. I agree. I think Will said it. I do think he's a bit better in this one, but not by much. I mean, you know, yes, he can only work with what he's got to work with, but I think he's just poor. You know, he, it just seems like a joke to me. Like, it's, it's nowhere near where he should be at all. 
That's yeah, a fantastic maybe, maybe maybe you're right. Yeah, I sort of put it down to the writing, but maybe you're right. I think a good actor makes bad writing sound good. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, or <laughs> maybe even says, guys, uh, really? <laughs> like, should we have a rethink on this? I um, think, despite probably having quite a lot to say, I think we. Uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah, probably, we're going to have to cap it at some point. It's almost probably, an hour. Probably, yeah, just put an end to it and, and give our scores. Does anybody want to volunteer? Not mind going. Hit us up, buddy. Uh, seven. Seven out of ten. I um, I really enjoyed it, like, as a cinema going. I'd be interested to see it out of the cinema as well. I have a feeling that after not being to the cinema much in the last couple of years, I'm just enjoying things more in the cinema. But um, yeah. but yeah, I just enjoyed it as a standalone film. I have some criticisms of it that are linked to the previous film, and I thought it overcame them as best that it could have, but it definitely impacted on it. Um, and it didn't, like, it didn't really stay with me. Like, I was looking forward to talking about it, but I can't say I've been thinking about Bond. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I don't think I will. Like seven seats, but right, good fun time. I'll make it real easy then, because I pretty much echo everything you say there. Like I, I think the flaws hold it back a little bit, but there are lots of it I do really enjoy. I've only seen it the once, and time might tell whether that second viewing alters this. But yeah, I was coming in at a seven as well. Um, Leave it at that. Time's free. Oh, it's a seven awful. all round. I think uh, first time round I was on an eight, maybe even a nine, just of, of the high of it all, really. Um, yeah, it's it's not a patch still on Casino Royale, which I just think is far and away his his best movie that that is just a genuine classic of the last 20 years massively holds up to rewatches. yeah i'd agree i agree with that all right sevens all round but with that done with let's move on to my album choice uh which is my finest work yet by andrew bird from 2019 has 10 songs and is 45 minutes and 12 seconds. Sisyphus peered into the mist, a stone's throw from the precipice pole. Andrew Bird is somebody that I think since I think you might have introduced me to uh, the mysterious production of Eggs, an album that I really, really love from Andrew Bird. And ever since, I feel like I've sort of tried and failed to find another album that meets that same level. And there's lots of other stuff that I like that Andrew Bird does, but most other albums that I've dipped into either have like a kind of drop off point where the you know, maybe the second half of the album's not quite as good, or just the songs in general don't hit those heights. Um, 
and I guess I was hoping from his somewhat arrogant title that this might be uh, one of those one of those albums that is more hit than miss and I'm happy to say for me I think it is I think uh, I think I enjoyed this quite a bit and hits on a lot of the main bits of Andrew Bird that I enjoy uh, I must say I haven't quite listened to it as much as I would have liked I'm not entirely familiar with all the names of the songs uh, and how they connect so I might have to describe them in weird ways but for the most part yeah that I enjoyed I enjoyed listening to this album and uh, I think I'll enjoy coming back to it quite a bit I um I don't like massively disagree with that but um <laughs> me and Mark also talked about this in the pub again not the album particularly but more generally and just saying like it's kind of it's not that hard to find like seven out of ten albums and that it's really hard to find really good albums yeah. um the first time i listened to it well a couple of things like one my favorite track is the first track as a giveaway um it's just always a difficult thing because when i heard the first track i was like oh this is this is kind of cool um and then the rest of the album I didn't dislike. It's just that every track I'd give like somewhere between a, I don't know, they're all sixes and sevens pretty much for me. Maybe an eight for the first track. I, it's not that I dislike it. It's just, it just sort of didn't leave a huge impression on me. I was just like, this is very, this is really nicely and often in, like interestingly orchestrated like indie pop. Um, and I don't dislike that, but I don't think there's anything like spectacular in any of the songs, and none of them really stood out to me. But it's also hard to criticise it; like it, kind of, <laughs> it, it sort of nails what it's going for. That's fair. I, I, for me, I think like it's. I think it's got quite a lot of uh, quite immediately memorable hooks, and I think it only took me a couple of listen through to at least every song to be memorable once it was on do you know what i mean like it wasn't i wasn't humming all of them but I, I, uh, every time another one came around i'd remember what it was and where it was going and i think i like just his general sound which in, in fairness doesn't change a huge amount throughout this album i think his orchestration is quite nice and he has his typical like staccato like picked violin and whistling is <laughs> like trademark things um and his like nonchalant vocal delivery and i think those kind of collective things together with otherwise just sort of well constructed as you say pop indie songs that, that elevates it a little bit more for me above that what were your thoughts marco when i spoke with andy about it i was exactly the same and the listen after that, I went up on it. I started to think, actually, no, this is this is pretty good. But I have to say, I listened to it both at the start of today and on the train back, basically both ways. And yeah, I, I was getting pretty annoyed by it on the journey <laughs> back. And like, what a flip flop! Yeah, like I, because I agree. Like I was thinking, like, okay, the first song is is the best song. Um, it's like a real earworm as well, which is weird because I think the um, there's the line like 
you know, there's a house down here. I lost it long ago or something like that. I can't remember the exact lyrics, but it's a, it comes back over and over again. And every time he sings that line, the melody is different, which um, is interesting that it still remains like a massive earworm despite that. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's not very exciting. I'll say that much. Like it's uh, it's kind of, mildly engaging to the point that when it's on I agree that it's sort of it's all right like I'm kind of I don't you know there's it's interesting enough with without ever doing anything like particularly unique or I don't know ultimately I just think it's dull I'll, I'll be blunt I you know it's just the more I listen to it the, the less I get which is which is a problem and I, I agree with you. And I don't think this is always a problem, like that you can't remember specific songs and all of this, but I really can't. Like, and I've listened to it several times now, the album. I've given it a fair crack. And as I say, at one point, I was a bit higher on it. So it could change again. Maybe I've over-listened, but if you've over-listened within one week, that's that's also a problem. It's a short period to over-listen, for sure. Um, I find his gimmicks kind of annoying, uh, the whistling, whatever, like, don't care. I've got, a bit of, you, I've got a bit of a problem with the whistling, I'll be honest. Like, he's obviously a good whistler. I know this isn't important, so I won't touch on it much, but it's just, it's exactly the same feeling I have when people use harmonica. It's just like, there's just nicer sounds out there. Just to, like, why are you whistling that? Just put it on a flute or something. <laughs> it's just, it's just not the most pleasant of musical sounds, is it? Like, you could have something with a much nicer, warmer, like, gentler tone to it for this, like, yeah, thing that you guys. I mean, it's almost got a bit of a western vibe. The first track, I put it on a bit of muted trumpet or something like that. Like, that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I think instrumentally, it could be more diverse and interesting. For sure. And I'm not like wild about his violin stuff, to be honest. I mean, he's obviously a, a good violin player, but I don't. There's only a couple of times he like really cuts loose with solos. A lot of it is just generic kind of like, oh, there's a little violin melody. And sometimes it's just played by backing violins. Sometimes it's lead. Yeah, but you can argue it's... that like in a world of lots of similar sort of indie artists, that mm. him doing, and I actually think there's not enough of it on this album. That is too much led by guitar and quite a bit of his like piano, piano led songs. Um, mm. Yeah, that is, I think there's nothing wrong with having an album that like your thing is strings. So it, I agree. Like I don't think he does anything like particularly like outstanding in terms of like string orchestrations. Like Will said, like that little like pizzicato, like backing strings and stuff. It's just a different sound, isn't it? It gives it a whole different vibe that he steps away from a little bit on this album. Yeah. To a fault, I would say. I just, yeah, it's sort of, it's just one of those albums. It always starts to get somewhere and never quite goes there. Like at times it's pretty, but it's never beautiful. And at times it's like, I don't know, trying to be emotional it, it just doesn't really register like any kind of emotional response from me personally it's just kind of it's there and it's it's competent music it's too wordy for me I don't really know what he's on about but there's just like this you know I don't, 
his he doesn't have refined melodies it's just kind of very wordy and same with the violin playing it's just kind of it's 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 not my aesthetic i guess I agree with you. I think Sisyphus is probably the best song, but I think all the first three I really enjoy. I think all of those are uh, are good songs. Bloodless is kind of like the sort of smoother jazz piano one. I don't really like I, Blood, uh, Bloodless. I did like Olympians. Um, I think this opening of the track is cool. I think it loses its way a little bit. And on, yeah, I sort of went off it a bit. On, I, I thought the one and three were going to be my standouts, but three fell away. But it's one. <laughs> You know, I like, I do, I kind of agree that like on my listens through, I must admit that by the end of the album, probably the last couple of songs, like I was sort of listening on autopilot and it would just loop back around to the beginning and mm. I'd realise I was back at the beginning again. But even as far as like Proxy War, I think is quite a good song. Like, Yeah, I quite like I, that one. I, I can't, yeah, I can't honestly, actually. yeah, and Manifest. Okay. I can't, I can't put my flag in sort of any of them and say like this, you know, or, or I don't disagree that they're sort of all sevens, but I think as a collective 10 songs all at that there are no kind of real dips for me and i appreciate you know some of the gimmicks can be a bit uh perhaps a bit much but it's kind of part of what makes andrew bird andrew bird and i do like his his overall sound and the kind of direction of his music and there's there's absolutely enough of it within this for me i think like mark's criticisms are different than mine though like i don't I don't jump on board with all of that. Like I, I, I don't follow his lyric writing either. You're right; it's quite busy. Um, but I don't mind his his like quick vocals. Like often he breaks out into like the main hook, like melody hook, will often be like on an instrument, and it doesn't necessarily come from the vocals. Sometimes it does, mm-hmm. but particularly through verses and stuff like they're often quite quite quick. And so there'll just be little airwormy bits and other things. I, I just think, I just think the songs aren't quite good enough for me to really like this album. Like it's he's sort of done the best that he can with like mostly fine songs. Like there's, it's not a big criticism. It's not that it's terrible. It's just that. It just goes back to the thing I said at the start. Like, I think you can find a ton of albums that I would like as much as this one, where I like what he's doing with it, and I think the songs are fine. And they're probably five out of ten songs that I score up because I like what he's done with it. Yeah, I agree. I just I don't think there's enough great songs. They're just all kind of solid. Yeah. They are all right. Like they're not. There's no. There's no like dip either. Like I don't think there's any terrible songs on here. No, I don't. I don't think there's anything terrible either. There are bits of songs like I kind of like it in Olympians, the third song where sort of dips into like a kind of Radiohead sequence, like a couple of times. Um, Yeah, I just wish it's weird, like because there is sort of minor variety, I suppose, but ultimately it does sound very. What's the word beginning with H that I can never remember? Homogenous. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something I can like strictly disagree with. It has very much a like singular sound that runs throughout the mm. album, despite there being like the like, bloodless being kind of a jazzy piano one, but it's it's all still kind of mostly the same instruments making mostly the same sounds. 
but again, it's just something that I've for kind of like forty-five minutes. I'm quite happy to just sink into that sound. And yeah, I don't mind that. I think I think there's enough variety as well. Like it's not um, there's there's a bit of variety on instrumentation. He does orchestrate things slightly differently. Like that string thing that I was saying, I liked. He doesn't use very much on this. There are some where like the chords are entirely led by it being like quite quite a piano-led song or and yeah he's using a sort of limited range of instruments but i think there's variety across it um yeah that's yeah. not not a big that's not a big criticism for me i guess just where i disagree is that i'm on the sort of the positive side of of middling you know i think where you've seen it as occasionally dull i think <laughs> um and just kind of none of them quite being good enough I think for me, all of them are just good enough, and it's the collective as an album that uh, that works for me. Yeah, I think I'm going to keep kind of listening to this album. I think it's got enough about it for me. You've said this before, I think, Will, and it's something that definitely springs to mind here. Whereby I feel like there's other singer songwriters who are probably equally inspired or uninspired however you want to look at it like sure. i.e., they're, they're doing something churning out something which is probably a very similar level of quality overall like m ward i've been listening to the last couple of weeks again um and for whatever reason i don't think his his music is particularly much better but whether it's the sound of his voice like mm. just his his style of vocal melodies or whatever it works for me better and you've said before about you know I like this kind of band that does this kind of thing. And then there's another band that does a very similar kind of thing. And for whatever reason, you don't like them. It just, and it's yeah. kind of like, you can't really put your finger on it. And I guess that's the case here. I can't really put my finger on it because, you know, ultimately, if you'd asked me this morning before I just listened to it on the train, yeah. I was I was on your camp. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's only, and that's going to happen sometimes, isn't it? You are just going to like, you're always speaking about something in the moment you're speaking about it um, i think as as and i think as you both said really there's not a lot musically to criticize about it so i think it does come down to that kind of just gut response to do you like his voice do you like his delivery mm. do you like what he's playing and and what the instruments are doing and it and yeah sometimes it like you say it's that um intangible thing that is yes or no and I don't know. I think yes to a point. Um, but I've been listening to Villager's new album a bit the last couple of weeks, which I also think has some flaws. But I think like I think it's pretty comparative in what he's trying to do. Like it's it's really nicely orchestrated pop, like indie pop. And I just think his melodies are nicer. I think he's a better melody writer, like like the thing that Mark said about like some of them are pretty, but they're not quite. I can't remember what word you used. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, sure. But like the not quite thing, I think is is what I kind of feel across this album. Like mm. it, it, yeah. The 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 hooks aren't quite hooky enough. Like I know you said that they stayed with you. I kind of recognise them when they come back on again. It's not like it doesn't. It's devoid of hooks, but mm-hmm. I've not found myself humming any of them. We've argued over whether that's an issue or not, but um, but yeah, I think as a direct comparison, I think there are other similar things to this where I just think the like the melodies are stronger and the songwriting's better. It's you know it 
it moves on from that not quite to that sort of occasionally hitting it like there's not many albums that hear every track but if you find a few and yeah so there's only really one for me that is actually you know i i've put it in the old big playlist and yeah when it comes around the rest of them they're all fine like there's nothing wrong with them but i mean that is something that's tangible it's still an opinion entirely of course like yeah, I just the, <laughs> yeah, just the melodies. I don't think are strong, as strong oh. to my ear, but it's still something tangible, I guess. Unless anybody's got any other like major points, we keep this one short and sweet. Yeah, definitely. Might as well after Bond. Uh, let's wrap this one up. It's a bit boring since it's the same as last time, but it's another seven for me on this one. Like it's. Uh, I think you sort of summed it up, Andy, it's like every song's a seven, so collectively it's a seven, but it's definitely on the air of good, and it's definitely on the side of, like, you know, we'll come back to. Importantly, I said six or seven. Yeah, I took seven. <laughs> I heard seven. <laughs> They're all a seven. No, I, I think it is a uh, a good album in a style that I enjoy, and I think that's kind of, that's the crux of it. Yeah. Uh. Uh, six for me it's an absolute 6.5 of a record and it was a seven yesterday but it went down today for me i don't know why it's just work isn't it i mean it's gonna suck the life out of you ultimately it's gonna ruin everything (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it could have been the little brightness in your day that you needed well that's it that is it it says yeah says it all that it wasn't i guess (laughs) uh yeah i'm a six as well i i think it seems a bit harsh but I think it's entirely based on I sort of got excited about new music for a bit and I found some things that I like a long time period actually probably the last like two years I just think I found tons of albums like this where I think this is pretty decent yeah and don't really have a massive inclination to go back and listen to it again like I'd probably give every song a six apart from the first track which I give a seven or an eight but I'm not sure that's worth scoring it up for those six. Yeah. Fair. Fair enough, boys. We need a classic. It, like you say, it's I hard agree. to come it's, by, though, isn't it? It, it really is. It sucks. It's not like all of us want to love stuff. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, you wouldn't bother listening to stuff if you didn't want to love it. Yeah. You know, we're not purposely seeking out mediocre, like... I've, I've completely changed my mind on my next pick, which was going to be like probably something not that dissimilar to this, something I listened yeah, to a I'm, couple I'm, of times. Same. And I just have a feeling that it would, across the boards, I've only listened to like three tracks, and I think across the board it'll score six and seven. <laughs> yeah, six and seven, exactly. Like, I think it's <laughs> perfectly fine, but it didn't grab me off one listen enough to think like this is... 10 out of 10. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to go back into the archives, I think. All right. So we move on to our third and final segment, which again, I've written you boys a quiz. Uh, It is the same format as last time. Um, I may do other quizzes in the future, but not this format. It's become increasingly hard to write questions for. Uh, But here we are nonetheless. So the format is uh, I will ask you for a highest or lowest rated film of uh, sometimes different genres or different actors or 
etc. This time, just to mix it up, I'm going to use IMDb instead of Rotten Tomatoes, uh, just to see if the results differ in any in any meaningful way. Mm. But without further ado, I shall ask you question one. I want you to both give me uh, your highest rated Helen Mirren film. Now I'll go this time Andy first, and then we'll switch over. So you always kind of get a, a first up advantage. Oh yeah, advantage. Christ alive. Um, <laughs> or a second up advantage, as the case may be. I'm really struggling to think of uh, good things. I don't want to mention any of the others, just in case Mark goes for them. That's it. You can't really talk. You can't think out loud. Um, I don't even know whether this was like well-received or not. Go for it. Um, I'm going to go with... It is just called The Queen, isn't it? The Queen. Okay. It's got to be well received, surely. I think it will have been. I think it was one I was definitely considering. What have you got in your back pocket then, Marco? The Long Good Friday. Oh. Which is a great movie. Yeah, it is. I forgot she was in it. I think it might be close. I'm not sure. Like, The Queen is the kind of... IMDb may help me here. Because it's audience rather than critics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so isn't it close? The Queen comes in 7.3 out of 10. Hoping for higher. I'll be honest. I think that's Long Good beaten. Friday comes in at 7.6 out of 10. You win it by 0.3 of a point, Marco. Yeah. I'm sure that she will have a couple of higher ones, but I have to be honest, my mind was pretty blank there. Yeah, it's kind of why I picked Mirror, and I didn't want it to be too obvious. Yeah, no. Fair I, play. Went, I went straight for Red. <clears throat> I thought of, I, Red was film. one of my first thoughts when I came up with the question. <laughs> I'll clear it up. Uh, right, okay. Question number two, uh, relevant to today, but I want you to give me the lowest rated official Bond film. So of the official canon. Hmm. I just think Never Say Never Again would be too easy. <laughs> Perhaps the original Casino Royale. I don't know if that's well-reviewed. Sure. Well, I'm going to go with what I think is the obvious one, which is Die Another Day. It's a good one. What have you got good, in repost? I don't have a good answer for this. I'm just going to go Spectre. Spectre is worse. It should be lower. But is it? I don't think Spectre was, like, I know what you mean. It doesn't necessarily matter, but I don't think Spectre was, like, well-reviewed by audiences either, so kind of hoping. No. I still think it'll get, like, a six or something, because it's Bond film. But... It's another incredibly close-run thing. Die Another Day, 6.1 out of 10. That's Spectre, 6.8 out of 10. Eight prized, almost 7 out of 10. As we've uh, done the Bond ones, I'll let you know that uh, Spectre is rated on IMDb higher than Quantum of Solace. That is uh, which I think, outrageous. I think is the worst rated one on IMDb. But, uh, of the Craigs, anyway. Okay, next one. Highest rated British film. It's like a fairly wide net of that. Like It, it doesn't need to be entirely British made, but either British based or British themed. <sighs> it doesn't have to be recent. Train spotting. I think that's a nice in. Yeah, that's a very good shout. 
it's a tough one, this. It's just it's completely wide open, isn't it? It's not like trying to remember you remember three films from an actor and like pick your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know why I'm going for this at all, really. But uh, Brief Encounter, the David Lean version. Christ. I mean, it might be good. Uh, are we talking the 1945? The one with uh, Trevor Howard. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Wow, you boys are good. Train spotting, 8.1 out of 10. More like it. Brief Encounter. Eight out of ten. Pipped by point one. But that's the that's the start of the comeback. It's a much better start than last time. I think I lost the first like four or five, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You're in it this time. You're in it to win it. All right. Next one. Lowest rated Tom Cruise film. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. There was that garbage one recently, wasn't there? Where he was like a rock star. I can't remember the name of it. That looked truly awful. Um, I don't know. Mission Impossible 2. I don't think that's a terrible shout, Andy. A couple of couple of things. I'm not going to go Jack Reacher 1, because I think that was supposed to be okay, just kind of hated by people who hated the book. But I think the second one was really... Bad, like, wasn't it? like where you're going with this, yeah. Yeah, but I don't remember the title of it. Like, unless you're gonna let me have Jack Reacher 2. I think it's something it like to, never go back or something. It has to come to you from your competitor, is uh will you well, allow you're the quiz master? I've got a second pick, if not. I mean, Mark has actually given you the answer, it's called Jack Reacher Never Go Back. And no, that was me. I said that. Okay. <laughs> if you listen right. back on the edit, it was definitely me. It's up to you, Will. I would have said Jack Reacher 2, and I do have a second pick if you won't let me have it. Um, I think you might both... How's this going to work? You might both need to pick again, uh, because they are both 6.1 out of 10. Wow. Well, I was I was going to go The Mummy. Oh, good shout. Ooh. I just think that Jack Reacher 2 would have scored less, but The, the Mummy I'm happy to go with. That was my backup. Nope. Not the excellent Brendan Fraser one. Yeah. Oh no, the mummy. I think the mummy might be lower. I think that's a great call. I've not yeah, seen might... it either. Good old Russell, Russell Crowe, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's it's, it's bad, real bad. Um, <laughs> what was the stupid music one? My brain's just not working at all. I can't think of anything. And that doesn't like even ring a bell to me. Tom Cruise as a rock star. I might have just made it up. In fairness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. I got one. Um, legend. Oh, yeah, I feel like there's. I feel like there's going to be a cult fan base for legends, though. Does it reflect in score? Okay, so you've improved the mummy five point four out of ten. What was uh, Jack Reacher? Two. Six point one. They were both six point ah, one. Wow. So you've come. You've managed to improve. Should have just the gone 5. with that. Four. Legend. Six point four. I'm afraid you've gone you've gone up on your original. And that brings us to two each. Okay, question five. This one might be a little tricky to describe. I want you to give me the highest rated film with a direction in its title. And by direction, I mean that can be like up, down, left, right, forward, backwards, but also compass points. 
North by is it me? Yeah. North by Northwest. God damn it. I just think if I spent five minutes thinking about it, I still probably wouldn't come up with a better one. No, no, it's, it's a great least, show. That, that's at least it's a Please, it's a reasonably good film. <laughs> yeah, it's a great film. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to even think of any films with points of the compass in. Uh, it can also be like say, any kind of film. Yeah, you can have direction. any. Yeah, you can have any film with right in it. So I'm helping, but no, like not in that <laughs> not in that context. Yeah, right. it doesn't. It doesn't, it have, doesn't to... have to be context. Sorry, yeah, I should have maybe explained that more. It just any other word that could be a direction. Like so these okay. were getting increasingly difficult to write. <laughs> Up. It's lovely stuff. What it's the one I thought sh- of. What a shout. As my like fallback. Oh, Brilliant. Me. I think Gulp might win that. No, I think you got this easy. Not convinced. Oh. Tell you what, you, you're just coming in so well together. North by Northwest, 8.3 out of 10. Still Up, 10. 8.3. Two out of ten. It's Andy's point by a slither. Nice, tight. Okay. Lowest rated Quentin Tarantino film. Death Proof. As as what? As director or just at all? Why am I asking? I don't know anything that he's been in as an actor. I would say at all, but I think his acting career has mostly been in films he's directed. From Dust Till Dawn. I just think from Dust Till Dawn, shit, it's not necessarily that it's badly reviewed. It might be really high. Death Proof, 7 out of 10 on the nose. From Dust Till Dawn, 7.2 out of 10 is 3 each. God, the second half of that film is... The first half is 8 out of 10 and the second half is 2 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree from what I remember of it. Thought you had me there. I just immediately thought of him as a director. It didn't even cross my mind. Uh, as soon as you said death proof, I thought like I'm going to struggle to find anything that is lower rated, mm. like as a something that he's directed. So, okay. Uh, the next one is the highest rated film of the 1980s, 1980 to 1989. Highest rated, big decade for films. Christ. Is it me? Yeah. Um, the Goonies. Raiders. Wishing I'd gone stand by me now. Doesn't matter. Uh, Matt didn't get the full title, so I think that's probably... Uh, we we'll probably just wipe that <laughs> off, give him full yeah, hundred for it. A film from 1986 called Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're using for you. Uh, Okay, so The Goonies, 1985, is a 7.8 out of 10. Oh, I thought that'd be higher. Yeah, I mean, IMDb does skew small, but it's not enough. Raiders of the Lost Ark is 8.4 out of 10. It's still kind of low, isn't it? I mean... I like to say, IMDb always skews low because it's it's viewer opinion, isn't it? So some people Mm. are, are dickheads. I think whenever anything, like, in fact, I should remember this for IMDb, anything new always comes in super high and then slowly, like, yeah. scales its way Peters down. off, yeah. Right, uh, lowest rated comedy film. Again, I'll take a fairly wide view on comedy, but it primarily a comedy. But one what is really shit. The House Bunny. The House. Bunny. Bunny, okay. With Anna Faris. 
I've not heard of it. Sounds a good start. Yeah, it's a solid way to uh, to go as well. Anna Ferris, save. Done a lot of bad films. <laughs> Slam. I'm trying to think through Adam Sandler films to think of the worst one. It's a good place to be. One Ooh. really springs to mind, but I'm not going to help you. What about... Uh, I now can't decide between Freddy Got Fingered or Dude, Where's My Car? That's I'm a race go, to the bottom. But Tom Green's pretty, pretty awful, so Freddy Got Fingered. I have seen it, but I don't actually remember it in the slightest. The House Bunny, 5.5 out of 10. Well, that, that might be gettable. Freddy Got Fingered, 4.6 out of 10. We're back to four apiece. Jesus. How many have we got today? Uh, 11. I wanted it to be an odd oh, number. Perfect, so that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that'd be a winner. Might go down to the to the wire. I think so. We're at eight now, so we've only got three left. Next one, highest rated Steve Buscemi film. I saw this primarily as an actor, but if you do know that he's sort of produced anything, I will accept. I mean, has he directed anything? <laughs> I've absolutely no oh, idea. Got, I've got much to pick off. Um, I'm just going to have to name, like, I'm going to have to name a Steve Buscemi film that I know. Been in a lot of good ones. I'm going to go, I think this is very gettable, but I can't think of anything better. So, Reservoir Dogs. I don't know. I think that's a pretty uh, pretty good shout. Do you reckon? Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I mean... I was just going to go for the one that seems the most obvious to me, which is Fargo. See, I think Fargo will be higher. That's a good shout. Mm, I don't know. People love Tarantino. I know, but Reservoir Dogs isn't up there as my favourite Tarantino. Fargo, 8.1 out of 10. It's not going to be higher than that. No way. Reservoir Dogs, 8.3 out of 10. Outrageously high. It's a it's an Andy take. It is five four going into the last two questions. It's a must get this one. Pressure is on. So the next one is the lowest rated music based film. So that could be a musical or a film about music, about bands, etc. But music based, lowest rated. <clears throat> um the Spice Girls movie. Spice World. Spice World. Spice up your life. I don't think that'll be that terrible. No, probably not. Had a good cast. I have seen it. Don't really remember it. Um, what was your question? Just about music or what's a... Yeah, lowest rated music based. So I'm leaving that open. You could pick musicals, you know, uh, biopics, just fiction films about bands. I was going to pick music. I'm tempted just to go like mm. Cats, which I think was a winner in the last the last one because everyone hates Cats. Which way do you want to go? Yeah, I'll just go Cats. It's, it's safe in it. And you don't have to rule whether music counts as a uh, musical film. It's a little bit sad because it's one of the day. Cats is 2.7 out of 10. Spice World only oh, 3.5 yeah. out of 10. So you weren't, you weren't leagues away. Oh, I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought that'd be much higher. It'd be in the sixes. Three and a half. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, Cats, Cats was a, a great shout. 
Okay, not well, been on it today. The old the old brain is not not working. I'll be honest. I think I've gotten a lot of safe choices that you usually just pull something out of the air that I've never heard of. <laughs> You've already done that like once today. Well, although Andy has an insurmountable lead, this is for pride. So I want you to give me the highest rated film that is related to casinos or gambling. Similar to the last one, it can be set in a casino based around gambling, but broadly that. Does it mean to go? Yeah. Uh, do I go Casino or do I go Casino Royale? <laughs> I'm not going to put a lot of thought into it. Uh, casino Royale. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Just to um, check, 2006 or 1967. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go 2006, please. Very well. Right, okay. Yeah, I think you might... You might have this one as well. Uh, I wanted to say Creepier, the Clive Owen film. Because that's... Um, I wish I'd done the Vince Vaughn one. Film. What's it called? Swingers. Nah, oh, yeah. that's, that's not getting close, <laughs> I don't think. I just like it. It's um, film. I'm Favreau. I'm tempted um, to just say Casino to see what would have actually won out of your own choices. But just to mix it up, I'll say Ocean's Eleven. The Soderbergh version, mm, which I still I still think will be below Casino Royale, but I can't think of anything else. And you've really like you've made an excellent challenge. So Casino Royale is eight out of ten, and Ocean's Eleven is seven point seven out of ten. Incredibly close. Yeah. Just, just to, to see if we can rub it in, Casino eight point two out of ten would have won you the point. <laughs> Yeah, I have the mind of a critic. Clearly, I'm not. I'm not a man of the people. Fuck the people <laughs> and their shit opinions. It's not true. You absolutely slammed me last time we did this. Yeah, because it was the critics we were going. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, of course it was. That's the difference, yeah. isn't it? IMDb to Rotten Tomatoes makes the big yeah. difference. At least IMDb had all of the films. You know, which you're, is just, good. you're just a people person, Andy. You, you know, <laughs> you read the room. I am very much a man of the people. I've always said that. Just because the people, <laughs> the people sometimes disagree. Doesn't deter uh, me. Congratulations are in order, Andy. It's one each on the global quiz league. Mark, I presume you'll be sending the trophy over. <laughs> Probably going to bed in about three hours. So if you can get it over there by yeah, <laughs> by then, that's good. All righty. Uh, that is all from us, uh, Screen and Needle podcast. We do hope you will join us again for another film, another album, and another top five list. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>